what He's done for me. Pastor said I had to pray for the offering, but I think the offering is finished. Father, we come into your presence, Lord. As we come before you, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for every person who is giving into your kingdom. As they have sown a seed into your kingdom, Father, may you bless them abundantly in a hundredfold. We plead the covering of your blood upon our lives. And as we are found in your presence, Lord, we declare that no weapon shall form against us shall prosper. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good all the time. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. amen. We are still on the topic of backsliding. Amen. Backsliding. How many of us are enjoying backsliding? Huh? You're not enjoying the word. How many of us are enjoying the topic backsliding? Amen. If you're not enjoying it, it's fine. I'm enjoying it. Amen. I'm enjoying it. Hallelujah. One of the things that I understand about backsliding is that Nobody backslides when, when they're in the clubs or when they're drinking or whatever. We've said and we've established the fact that backsliding begins with lack of prayer, lack of the word, lack of fasting. Those are signs that you are about to backslide. So when you don't have those things in your life or when you don't have a quiet time, when you're not spending enough quality time with the Lord, you'll find out that slowly you'll backslide. You'll see, you'll start gravitating towards uh, Brian McKnight. You'll start gravitating towards, uh, what's this other guy's name? Say again. BTS. I don't know who's BTS though, but. Uh, then you'll start, pardon? Luther Van Ross. And no, the young ones don't know all Luther Van Ross and them. And it's, we need to talk about Drake and who else? I'm a piano, DJ Mapapora, something like that. Yeah, Eminem and all those guys. Uh, so when you backslide, you start moving towards that and you, you stop playing worship on your phone anymore. Worship has gone off your phone and you're wondering why, 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 am, I, why am I drawn towards that? Check your prayer life. Check, check your reading of the word. You'll start to see that you move, you backslid. Even though you're coming to church, you backslidden. It's a sad thing that majority of the people that are in church are backslidden. Okay, you don't like me. I know that. It's fine. Majority of people that come to church are backslidden. At least 60% of people that are in church have backslidden already. It's just that they haven't been to the club or they haven't taken the beer and drank yet. But majority of the church is backslidden. And we're going to look through the scriptures, amen. And we're going to see through the word of God. And my favorite scripture to read is Revelation chapter 2. Can you turn there? Amen. Kelly, is that you? Is that you? Okay. I thought I saw you. Nice to have you, Kelly. God bless you so much. Amen. 
Revelation chapter 2. I don't know what's happening with the sound. You can hear that it's not sounding right. We're going to fix it. We'll have to fix that. You see, if your salvation with God, I'm going to come down a bit. I think this mic is long enough. Uh, you see, your salvation with God, or your relationship with God, I'm just going to have to sort that out another time. Uh, your relationship with God is not dependent on how many times you come to church. Most people only have a relationship with God in church. Okay, you don't, you, I don't think you'll want me today. Ah, this is perfect, just like this. It's nice and cool. Yeah, no, don't worry. Uh, most of us only have a relationship with God only when we come to church. Outside of church, you can't exist. You're not saved anymore outside of church. If there was no church, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be even called saved. Because your relationship with God is only dependent on what happens inside of church. Outside of church, you can't live. Like a fish, a fish can only survive inside water. Take the fish outside of the water, the fish is unable to survive. And most of our relationship with God is exactly in that manner. We are unable to survive outside of the church. And if you are unable to survive outside of the church, then you are already backslidden long time. Because your relationship with God is not dependent on how many times you come to church. Even though we want you to come to church as often as you can, as much as you can. But if you only pray when you're in the house of God, or only when you pray when we come together and meet like this, then something's wrong with your relationship with God. If you only, only seek the Lord when you, when you are having home cell, then something's wrong with your relationship with God. Our relationship with God is not dependent on the church. Our relationship with God is dependent on how much quality time we spend with God. And if you don't spend quality time with God by yourself, you have already backslidden. I like this. I like the silence. For me, the silence is golden. You know why the silence is golden? Because I know that I'm speaking some truth to you and you're digesting what I'm saying. Because there are some of us here that truly only have a relationship with God only in church. Only in church. We can't share our faith. We can't tell people about the Lord. Or when you speak or when you're with your friends, you'll talk everything else besides God. It shows where your focus is. It shows where your relationship with God is. And today we want to try and get you into a place or through the series. I know it's the, this is the last time I'm sharing on backsliding because the month is, the month is actually almost, the month is over. Uh, so, this is the last time I'm sharing, but what I want to get you through sharing on backsliding is I want you to receive the reality that even though you are in church and even though you are clapping hands and even though you are singing and even though you can speak in tongues and you can see things in the spirit, if you are backsliding your, your possibility, the truth of it could be that you can go to hell. Mm -hmm. it's, it's because you must understand something. If the Lord had to come today, if Jesus had to show up today, 100% with all honesty, with everybody that is here, I know there's a lot of people that are not here, but with all honesty, with everyone that is here, how many of us can absolutely say that I'm ready for Jesus to come now? Take me now, Lord. I want to go. Please, come, Jesus. Come, Lord. 
Let the rapture take place. Take me now. Majority of us will say, Lord, hold it a bit. Just wait, just check here. I still need to sort out some things in my life. These things that are not right. I'm still working on it. Before, before you come, help me sort these things out first before you come. You understand? Why? Because that even though we shout and sing and even though we clap hands and even though we scream and roll all over the floor, we are backslidden. Hey, pastor's preaching good today. Amen. So, he, he talks to the church in Revelations, and he tells the church in Revelations, Shekhar, I've seen your good works. I've seen how you uphold the truth. I see how you're like scholars of the word. You'll, you'll have done well, but there's something I have against you. You've forgotten your first love. You've lost your first love. He says, repent from where you have fallen and return. Return means that you were in a position and you left that position. So you're no longer in that position. So we're saying, return back to that position. And God is speaking to most of us and God is saying to us, return back to that position. Because where I normally find you, I no longer see you there. You have moved away from that. Now return back to that position. Return back to that position. Just, just a quick show of hands. When you first got saved, you know the passion and the fire that you had? I mean, we must feel that our relationship with God when we first got saved has increased more or somehow it's, it's, uh, it's kind of slowed down. It's, it's no more at the level that it was when we first got saved, the first passion. Amen. I'm never feel that the passion that we had when we first got saved is like, it's, it's no longer there. And it's, it's okay to be honest with it. It means that you have left your position. You have left your position and you went and you were drawn to something else. So he says, return to that position. You get what I'm saying? That excitement, that zeal, that fire, that desire to pray, the desire to be in every service, the desire to be in every meeting, return to that position. And then he says, if not, I will remove the candlestick away from you. And the candlestick there, uh, when the Lord was showing me, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will remove. And most people think that the Holy Spirit can never be taken. Once you got it, you got it. Ah, who told you that? Who told you that? Where, where do you see that? David says one thing, Lord, take not your spirit away from me. It meant that the Spirit of God could be taken away from him. Why would he say, take it not away from me? He says, take it not. And then he says, I love this verse, Annabelle. He says, take not your spirit away from me. And then he says, restore to me my salvation. So it meant that his salvation was lost. And when your salvation is lost, it's a possibility that the spirit, oh, I wish you would get me today, that the spirit of God leaves you. So in order for the spirit of God to return with that same fire and with that same zeal, you need to return back. Your salvation needs to be restored. So that that zeal and that fire and that passion can come again. But without that, the salvation being restored, the spirit cannot come. Because you see, we said it before, Toffee, that God doesn't mix we in the business of mixing church with the world. But God, there's no mixtures with him. We can, we can fornicate and still come and worship and prophesy. Hey, I think I'm in the wrong church. Yo, is this JCMI? <laughs> we, 
We can fornicate and do all the wrong things and still come and worship and still come and, and serve God as though we never ever sinned. Bishop Dag said something one day. He says that you must be careful when you get so, you get so far from God is that when you sin, you don't feel nothing. It's like sin becomes a normal behavior. He says there's a possibility if you feel like that, a possibility ish, and you don't change, you could go to hell when you die. Because you sinning, uh, yes, he, he gave a story, sorry, of this young man. His whole family was saved. Only this young man wasn't saved. And his mother would often call him to, to come to the breakfasts, conferences. Every Saturday would have like a men's conference. And the mother said, go, go, take him. He would go every meeting. He knew when they were making an altar call, Maurice. He knew when the offering item, he knew when they were going to, he knew everything about the conference. But this young man wasn't saved. His heart was hard and he was going to church. He was in the church almost every Saturday. But his heart was hardened to the things of God. He still enjoyed his sin, even though he was sitting in the house of God. And most people are like that. You sit under the teachings of the word of God. You sit, but your heart has become so hardened. You know what's next in the church. But your, your lifestyle hasn't stopped. You know what pastor's going to say in his preaching. You know that when you come, pastor's going to mention fornication. You, you know it. But still your heart hasn't stopped because your heart is hardened to the point where even when you fornicate, it like means nothing. It doesn't worry you anymore. And when you get to that point, it's, it's a dangerous place to be in. Sometimes people never ever return from that. Why? Because they harden their hearts. Remember the Bible says, do not harden your hearts towards the gospel so when your heart becomes hard to receiving the word of god it means that you are a dangerous place because your heart is now hardened even though truth is coming your heart is hardened to the truth you can't receive remember i said last week it's like our children they put on safety vest on that as much as many times we can tell them don't do this don't do this don't do that there but their safety vest is on it means that your hearts are hardened to any advice that their parents would give them so you too, you are like that when it comes to the gospel. That even though you, you know it's true, but your heart is hardened. Why is your, how, how do I know your heart is hardened? Brother I is that even when the truth comes, you, you, there's no conviction in you to change. That means your heart has hardened. Very dangerous place. Never get to that place where your heart becomes hardened of hearing truth. Once you get to that place, you know that you, you, you become comfortable sitting in church. But it's like you're not even worried. You're not even worried. I know it's like a normal thing. My, your heart is hardened to the truth. Jesus says he's knocking on the door of your what? Of your heart. Your hardened heart. In, in Genesis chapter 6, I think it's, God says, who can, who can know the heart of a man? Because it's extremely wicked. Yeah. You see, because it's easy for everybody, brother Emmanuel, to, to smile, but your heart... Is the most wickedest place. He says, who can know the heart of, the, of a man? Because it's extremely wicked. You sit here with a nice smile, but your heart's saying something else. That's why when God anointed, when God anointed David, it wasn't because he was a handsome looking boy. David had brothers that were more handsome than him. More stronger, they had more muscles than him. They could fight better battles than David could fight. But God said, I'm looking for a man after my own heart. You understand what I'm saying? So he has to take your stony heart and he has to put his heart in there. 
Because your heart is hard to the gospel. And when you become stubborn, it's called stubbornness to receiving the gospel, you're in a dangerous place. So he says, return to that place so I don't remove the Holy Spirit away from you. I don't remove the Spirit away from you. I was just, I was just talking to, we must pray for our brother, uh, Powders Marlon. Uh, he's locked up again. Um, we must pray for him seriously. You see, most people don't understand. Most people don't understand this thing. We, we take the things of God as though it's, as though it's, though it's nothing. What is your life? What would your life become outside of God? What, what, what's your life to become outside of God? You are treading on very dangerous ground. When you try and play church and, and play around with God and, and do things just for the sake of doing it, and you, you're treading on dangerous ground. It's either you, like the scripture says, hot or cold. If you look home, I'll spew you out. Dangerous ground. You know, Mullen was doing fine in the house of God. Doing fine, he's coming. I would say the protection of God was on his life. Moments he stepped out and he went to go do his own thing now. Remember when we were there doing our evangelism, he was there by the gambling school. You know, guilt hit him. We were there evangelizing, did our opening. He was carrying a gun. You know, all these things step outside of God, even though he might have not did anything wrong. But because he's outside, oh, you, don't, you don't understand this thing. What's, what's, what, what's protecting him? What's covering him if not God? Anything can happen to you at any time. At any time outside of God. And then you would call and you would pray, God, please come and help me. But you, you, you moved away from God a long time ago. I know this message is hard. Most of us don't want to hear it, but it's fine. I'm going to preach it anyway. You move away from God a long time. And because of that... What can become of your life outside of God? You think you can, you think you can be a success outside of God. You think you can. Oh, most people think so too. And, and Brother Dennis said, it, it happens to them for a little while. They, they think they're making it without God for a little while. For a little while. To the point where the Bible says when you enter, when you enter into the land of milk and honey, never forget in Deuteronomy. That it was the Lord that gave you the power to get wealth. The ability to get it. But most people when they are rich, Caroline, they feel like it's, it's not God. Or when things are working for them, even though they're outside of God, they don't think it's God. They think it's their own intelligence. Biggest mistake ever. As quick as you got it, as quick as it can be taken away from you. Why? Why? You're outside of the covering of God. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a saying, my granny, my granny's Catholic, right? So she would have a saying on the door. It's better to not have known him than to know him and to forget about him, something like that. Have you seen those, those stickers before? It's better to have not known him than to know him. And to deny him or to forget him. Rather you should not know him. That's what it says. Deep, right? Because you know him. 
He visited you, you experienced him, and then all of a sudden you forgot about him. Ah. I'm always singing the song. It's always, it always brings a remembrance to me. When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back anymore. When I, you, some of us need to remember. You need to remember what the Lord has done. That will make us not go back anymore. Huh. Imagine now spending your New Year's in jail. To spend your New Year's in jail for something, something small. But when he's, when he's there, may he remember the Lord. You understand? May he remember the Lord. Because don't, don't, don't be quick to forget, church. When I remember... Remember when you were high in the world. Remember you didn't know when you were coming or going. You had bobbies upon bobbies. Remember when you woke up the next morning feeling bad about yourself. You were praying, Lord, I hope I get my period. Hey! Yeah, some of you were praying, hey, Lord, this today. I hope I get my period. Yeah! You pray and you're waiting. It's taking long. It's taking long. Imagine that stress. Now that you're serving God, even your period, you shouldn't even be stressed. Hey, when I'm going to get my period? Because you know you shouldn't be fornicating. Hey, did I take my contraceptives? Did I take my... Ah! You were that, that kind of stress when you're in the world. Remember that kind of stress. Oh, you don't like me today, yeah? <laughs> Remember that kind of stress? Coming home in trouble. Stressed out. Kicked out. But because of his goodness, remember what the Lord has done in your life. Can you think about where you used to be and where you are and what God has done in your life? Ah, how can you even decide to go back? Go back to what? More bobbies, more stress out. I, I need to check. I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not. It's been a couple of days. Now you know the days can go past you. I, I, as for me, I know. You covered. I'm going to just wave your hand if you know you covered. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, put it down. Put it down. It's fine. <laughs> Amen. You know you covered. These things don't worry you anymore. But when you, when you forget, when you are quick to forget what the Lord has done, it's easy for you to go back. One of the things I'm going to talk about today is that most of us, what causes us to backslide is curiosity. We are very curious people. Curious, so some of us never even drink or, or experience a party life. We're curious to know what it's like. I want to know what it's like to get high. Ha! Huh. That will cause you to backslide. I want to know what it's like to put my tongue down a boy's mouth. Hey, it caused you to backslide. I want to know what it's like to have sex. It caused you to backslide. Your curiosity has caused most, most people, their curiosity has caused them to backslide. Majority of the people. Why? Because they are curious and wanting to do what, every, what everybody else is doing. And not okay with just walking the ways of God. Yeah, young people are curious. They, they look like they're having fun in the world. I'm curious. I want to I wanna see what, they have, what fun they're having so I can also enjoy myself. But you're serving God nicely. You're doing the work of God. But you are becoming curious 
to what is happening out there. It's one level that will cause you to backslide. Stop being curious. You're not missing anything out. They might be smoking uh, buttons. Let, let them smoke their buttons. They might be eating cocaine. Let them have their cocaine. Don't be curious about what they are doing and feel like you also need it because they come back and tell you, hey, you know, it's a lack of feeling. Yo. Hey, and they just look and they laugh at you. What you want to try and experiment with? Don't. Let them do what they dream. Rather, the Bible says, how can a young person remain pure? Stick to God. Stick to the word of God. Stop this curiosity in him. This thing. Because your curiosity, what is a curiosity? Kill the cat. It will cause you to go to hell. Because you're becoming too curious. I wonder what's the party life like. You go to the party, the day you go to that party, is the day you get raped. Because you're curious. The day you go sit on the corner with those friends is the day somebody shoots and you get shot because you are curious. Serve God and do God well. Stop being curious about life. You are not missing anything out there. I'm, I'm telling you now, you are not missing anything. We thought that we were missing out on stuff. We thought that, hey, they part in there maybe. And when we get over there, we're like, ah, this thing is, is happening like this. And when you get saved, you realize that, hey, I should have saved my life and the mistakes of my life if I weren't curious. Most of you would have been far gone with the Lord if you weren't curious. I'm telling you, some of us were curious with girls. And that one girl you're running dizzy for. You, you, you don't even know how to get out of the relationship. Oh, you think I'm playing games. Or oh, that one boy, you, 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 it's like you've you gone mad. It's like your brain is something lost in your brain now. When you wake up, you think about him. When you sleep, you, you can't focus. If he's not in church, you're worried, you're concerned. It's like your brain has gone messed up for one person. Curiosity. Everybody's in a relationship. I should be in one. And cause you to backslide. Cause you to fall away. There's nothing you are missing. I know most of the young people don't like this. Hey, pastor, you, you, you're spoiling my... I got throw-ups off the church and now you, you, you're spoiling it for me. I'm spoiling. I'm here to spoil things for you. Amen. With the word of God. With the truth. I'll spoil things for the rest of your life as long as it's the truth. Bless you. I'm into spoiling things. <laughs> I'm into telling the girls, don't let him put his tongue down your mouth. I'm into telling girls, don't open your legs if you're not married. I'm into telling girls, don't even worry about a boyfriend if you're not yet ready to get married. For what? It's a stepping stone for you to backslide and to move far away from God. You think it's about you, right? It's not about you. You think this fight, this war, the feelings that you have is about you. It's about your destiny and purpose. The enemy is after your salvation. He knows that if you go there, you're going to say, oh, maybe I learn and my testimony will be greater. Who told you that? Do you have to go eat your head to have a testimony? Do you have to go open your legs to have a testimony? Do you have to go shoot somebody to have a testimony? Do you have to go to jail to have a testimony? The devil is a liar. That's nonsense. 
The fact that you are alive is a testimony alone. You don't need to say, I was in, I was in jail. I, I picked up a number. I got this tattoo in jail. Yeah, I poke. No, you don't need that testimony. If you don't have it, it doesn't make you less of a person. Or it doesn't make, even if you have it, it doesn't make you a great of a person. It just means that you've been through some things. But why would you in, purposely, intentionally go through some things? Sister Sandra, am I preaching good? Amen. Thank you, Sister Sandra. As long as Sister Sandra thinks I'm preaching good. Amen. Why? Because it's important for you to understand the enemy wants to take you out. The enemy wants you to backslide. The enemy wants you to backslide. Because he knows that, hey, if this person walks in their true calling, their true identity, their true purpose, the true will of God for their lives, they'll become a powerhouse. And he can't have you be a powerhouse. He can't have you serve God with everything that you have. You know why? Because he knows if you serve God with everything you have, the, the hell is trembling. Because what will come out of your mouth is great. So what he'll do? He'll distract you. I always say, man of God, the devil knows us and he has studied us and he knows what we like. The devil will never bring something to you that you don't like. I'm telling you now. He'll never. I always say to the people, anything that is good doesn't mean because it's good, it's right. You understand? Because the devil will present you with lots of good things. Sex in itself is good. Yes. But it's not right outside of marriage. But it's good. Because God created it and God made it good. But what's in the confines of marriage? You understand what I'm saying? Now, when the enemy presents good things to us and not the right thing. Most of us get confused with what's right and what's good. You understand? You lose your salvation looking for the good thing instead of the right thing. And the, the funny thing about it is that alcohol, it's good, right? Lift up your hand if you like alcohol, if you believe that alcohol is good. I mean, not, come on, why are you like to act holy? I mean, uh, 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 a, a smell of now or brandy now, it's a good thing. It's like it makes you feel nice. Don't lie and say, um, we, we, I never ever hear someone say, hey, brandy's terrible, it's bitter. Uh, maybe for you. We like, used to drink, what you used to like, la? Everything. Tears, what you used to like? Everything. I was brandy for you. Nice, right? So, so brandy is nice and it gives you that nice feeling. Maurice, what you used to like? <laughs> Only ciders, reds and all that, okay? So she used to like the Corona, the, the drink, you, Corona? <laughs> yeah, they, I saw there's a Corona drink now. So she used to like the Corona. As much as it's good, it tastes nice, it even looks better than a Coke. Alcohol looks better than a Coke, right? Oh, hey, I'm preaching, so I'm talking to wrong people. Kelly, I'm right? Looks better than a Coke, right? When you look at alcohol, it like already quenches your thirst. <laughs> when you look at a Coke, it doesn't give you that same feeling, you know? That's why they advertise it so much on TV. Alcohols advertise more on TV than Coke. You understand? Because most people, once you see that thing, it's like, hey, I need a beery today. After seeing the adverts. I'm telling you. So, it's good. It makes you feel nice. But is it Right? Absolutely not. So the enemy will bluff you with good things, but not the right thing. 
He'll present good things to the poor. He's handsome, cool, gold slit, gold chain, nice, green eyes maybe. He's looking handsome. Uh, maybe an ugly heart. He's packaged right because the enemy knows what you want in a man. You think the enemy is dumb. He knows who in the world what you were attracted to. He'll wrap that thing up in a church, boy. You'll wrap that thing up in a church boy. You'll wrap him up in a church boy, and you're like, Daisy, this is the one. Wrapped up good, but to, into, to enter into that relationship, it's not right. But you enter because it looks like God, sounds like God, and in your mind, it must be definitely God, but you haven't consulted God. Hey, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. You haven't consulted God. So the enemy is after what? Why is he doing that? So that you can backslide. My, my prayer, I was just saying, I was just talking to the Lord the other day. And I was saying, most of my daughters, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to pray for you seriously. Because the Lord said to me, in 2022, you're going to be presented with many men. I'm talking about my girls, the daughters of the church. I mean, it's going to come with a flow. I mean like a, like a rushing wind, it's going to come. Because you've been waiting long, you've been waiting 2021, you waited it out. And now in 2022, it's going to come like a flow. But I'm praying for you, amen. Not them, they're still young to be worrying about that. But I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you. That you will choose the right one. Bring him to me. Let me examine him. Let me see how he worships God. Let me see if he can pray in tongues. Let me see if he can preach the word. Hey, I'm telling you, bring him. Because I'm telling you something. If you enter into a relationship with somebody that's not serious about God, I, I worry about your future in God. Pardon? Sister Sandra wants one. <laughs> Receive it once, receive it twice, receive it three times. It's yours, Sister Sandra. <laughs> but you guys are understanding what I'm trying to say. So the enemy is after you. And one of the things he's going to cause you to do is to backslide. But I'm praying for you, amen. So number one, we spoke about symptoms, right? I've got a few minutes left. We spoke about symptoms of backsliding. A symptom is basically an area in your life where you know that if maybe you cough, you go to the doctor, they'll say, ah, corona, you got corona, COVID, COVID. So how do they know you got COVID, even though you did not know that you have COVID, was by your cough. So what they did, they looked for the symptom so that they could see what was your problem. Some doctors, you can just tell them, every night I have this problem in my knee. They'll start to determine it's neurosis or something, something. You don't even know what's this neatin and all this. They come out of a hard term. You just said something's wrong with my knee. Yes, but it's near something, something. Why? Because they have studied it so well that even if you come to them and tell them, hey, my left ear, it feels like there's uh, like a beating every time somebody speaks. Yeah, the, the ear lobes is like this, like that. We call it ear something. You, you see them writing, you're confused, you lost. 
Wow, gave me a sickness. Why? Because they saw your symptoms. And by seeing your symptoms, they had determined what's the name of your illness or what's the name of your sickness. So when it comes to backsliding, what we do, we look for symptoms in people's life that would determine or show us that as for this person, if they're not careful, they will be backslidden or they have already backslidden. And the first thing, and I always mentioned it, number one is prayerless. When you pray less, the possibility for you to backslide is very high. Why? Because you've got no quality time that you're spending with God. So if you pray less, you would backslide. Just take note of that, right? First one is to pray less. When you pray less, possibility of being backslidden is far. So check your prayer life where you are. Bishop Dag explains one of, in one of his sermons, uh, he says that there was one night the Lord just... He normally would pray for one hour every day. But this one night, the Lord just pulled him into prayer and he prayed for three hours. And in praying for three hours, he was wondering why is he just bursting out and letting tongues out? Three hours he was praying. It was because there was a lady of the night, we call it strange woman, meaning a prostitute, that came to him and tried to seduce him. But he was able to chase her away. And he was able to be strong. Why? Because he prayed and he had three hours of prayer. Normally, if he would have prayed the one hour, he might have fallen for the trap of the enemy. But because the Lord compelled him to pray another three more hours, what happened is when the, the opportunity, when the enemy tempted him with a prostitute, he was able to avoid it. And able to run away from it. Why? Because he was somebody that prays. Like I said, for most of us, the only reason we can't fornicate or the reason why we don't fornicate is because there's no opportunity for us to fornicate. Let the opportunity arise for you to fornicate. Fornication will be something that will be easy for you to fall into. Alright? Only reason why you're not fornicating is because there's no man. Or some of us is because there's no woman. That's why we're not fornicating. So the challenge is that when he comes, will you be able to hold yourself? When she's there, will you be able to hold yourself? And an inability to hold yourself, it means that there's no prayer life that you have going on. In Proverbs chapter 7, verses 10, the Bible says, And behold, there met he a woman with the attire of an harlot, and subtle of heart. She had a dress code like a harlot. Everything about her showed that as for this person, yeah, she was going to take me and she was going to take me completely. Now, the second point of backsliding or the second reason why people would backslide, did I read Revelation chapter 2? Okay. Just read from chapter 2 all the way to chapter verse 7, okay? You can read it in your time. Let me just give you these points. Is that okay? I did mention, I did go through the scripture with you earlier in the beginning. The second reason or the second thing that will cause you to backslide is not being committed. Not being committed. It's easy to, to come to church and to 
to sit and listen to the Sunday meetings and stuff. But I'm going to tell you now, when you are not committed to something, it's a possibility. It's likely that there are a lot of things will grow up on the inside of you. But when you're not committed to the work of God, in doing the work of God, whether it's outreach, whether it's uh, any part of the work of God, if you're not committed in any area, it's a possibility that you can backslide, you know that. It's, it's a possibility. It's one of the things that cause backsliding. I'll tell you now how. So, when you are not committed, you don't feel the need to be in church all the time. And it leads me to my next point that I'm going to make just now. You don't feel the need to be in church all the time. You see, there's a difference between, like we say, for those that serve God and those that serve Him not. The evidence is on their life, right? So when you are not committed, there's no pressure on you to prepare something to share. There's no pressure on you to, to testify. There's no pressure on you to release something to somebody. So what would happen is that it would mean that there will be less prayer, number one, and less of the word in your life. But when you are committed in doing something for God, it means, number one, that you must pray and you must read your word. Because if I say to Brother Winston today, Brother Winston, please, I need you to open a home cell right? It would be impossible for him to open a life group if he doesn't pray and if he doesn't have the word inside of him. The home cell pushes him in a position or in a corner where he must pray, where he must read the word. Because if he doesn't pray and read the word, when he comes and stands before the people, what will he have to say? So what will happen is that the home cell, his commitment pushes him to not go back into the world. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm trying to say, right? So, and this is people that are committed. So, when you see people, and that's why I say get involved in anything in the church, ushering, whatever. Even those that are ushering, it's a possibility that those that are ushering, the commitment level is not too high. It's there, but it's not too high because... Ushering is like welcome. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important part of the church, of the life of the church, because you are greeting, you are welcome, welcoming people. However, though, the usher mindset mustn't be that I'm just shaking your hand and saying hello to you. I'm releasing a word of encouragement to you. You, you get what I'm saying? So when somebody comes into the church and you can see from, the, from them coming in that their countenance is down, you would start quoting scriptures. I just want to remind you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. What you are doing, you are getting into a position now, I'm committed into this work, but I'm allowing what I'm committed to, to, to be a ministry, not a, not a function. You understand? It's a ministry now. So when you see somebody, you're smiling. What did happen is because now that you have taken it not just as a normal function and you are committed to it, but you have taken it as a ministry, the possibility of you backsliding because you know every Sunday, every Thursday, you need to have a word for somebody that enters. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. You can, those that are ushering can become prophets. Oh... Father, today in the name of Jesus, as I stand by the door and greet, show me somebody's life, Lord. Let me speak into their life. 
you get what I'm saying? But most of us, what happens when we, we're in positions that is, uh, we or committed like that, it doesn't, it's not so serious. So what am I saying to you? Your commitment when it comes to the things of God will cause you not to backslide. Just by your commitment, becoming serious. When you're staying at home and you're not committed, you're not doing anything in the church, you're not involved in the church, the possibility of you backsliding is high. Why? Because you're not committed to do anything. And you can backslide very easily. And when I talk about backsliding now, I know some of you are like, good, you won't go back into the world, you won't drink, you won't smoke. But like I said, backsliding is not that. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the results of backsliding, but it's not backsliding. So you must understand this very important. It's crucial that you have to find yourself in the house of God. Find a place in the house of God where you can be committed. If not, the possibility of you falling away can be very easy. The second thing that will cause you to backslide, or the third thing rather, that will cause you to backslide is your irregular attendance. Irregular attendance. How many of us, your heartbeat, right? Right now, if you look at your heartbeat, your heartbeat is regular, right? It means that it's beating fast. The moment your heartbeat starts to go, it means that there's something that is irregular with your heart. So it's a possibility, according to the medical, medical practitioners, they say you can faint and have the fits like, what, what you call it? Pal, pal, no, palpitations, not palpitations. It's palpitations, huh? Yes, what's that now? It's like, yes, yes, yes. So you can even start shaking and stuff. Why? Because your heart's not beating in a regular way. Right? But when your heart beats in a regular way, you, you move fine, you're fine. You can even drink a dragon and you'll be fine. Those that love dragons, lyle, lyle dragons. You drink a dragon and it will not affect your heart. Why? Because your heart got a powerful, regular heartbeat. Let's take that now to the church. So if having an irregular heartbeat can cause you to back, to not backslide, can cause you to faint and get into a shake. Now imagine your irregularities in church. You come when you want to. I don't feel like it today. Hey, you know that meeting is not important for me. Hey, I should. So it's like we don't even know when you are going to come to church. It's like when we see you like, hey, I wonder when that person's come. Some people only come to church Christmas Day and New Year's. You understand? We, we get confused as to your attendance in the house of God. You think you're going to stand because your attendance is irregular. And I declare over your lives, you all are regular attenders in Jesus' name. So because of your irregular attendance, what's happening to you? You are not having the same fire, the same passion, your drive, your zeal for the things of God. It's not the same. Why? You are irregular. Remember we said when we were talking about quiet time that Jesus built a habit of what? Regular fellowship. He, the Bible says he would often go to the temple and read. 
What is that? He would often do it. It means that it became a habit. But most of us, when it comes to the things of God and church, we become irregular in those things. And with, those, with that, you will find out that backsliding is a possibility. Never get to the point in your awkward God where you just, I don't feel like it today. I don't want to do it today. I'm not in the mood to go to church today. Once you get to that point of your relationship with God, where you're like, I don't feel like doing it, it becomes a problem to, for you. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verses 13. Proverbs 22, verses 13 says, and this leads me to my fourth point, am I correct? Yes. Proverbs 22, verses 13 says, The slothful man say it, there is a lion without I shall be slain in the street. Listen to what he's saying. The slothful man, what's the slothful? The lazy man says there is a lion and there's no lion. And he's saying, I shall be devoured in the streets. It's like saying to somebody saying, Hey, pastor, I can't come to church. I got no shoes. But you got your old stars there. You got your uh, Reeboks there. You got all, maybe because you don't have those Nike Air or Jordans or what you want, you are saying to yourself, hey, I can't come, I got no shoes. Most of us, my wife gives me that story, but I rebuke it sometimes. I got nothing to wear. I never say that sometimes. Ah, don't come with, I got nothing to wear, I can't go to church. She says that, I got nothing to you find something, okay. She says she's find something. But the Bible says in Proverbs that a slothful man says there's a lion, but there's no lion. He says, I can't come onto the streets. A slothful man. So the fourth point that I'm trying to say to you is that laziness and excuses can cause you to backslide. Hey, you know, man, people don't want me today. Should I explain it? Yeah, I should explain it, right? Thank you, Cassidy. Laziness and excuses, Brother Ike, cause many people to backslide. You're sitting at home. You know it's church. You're checking the time. Hey, my legs are sore. Hey, I'm not going today. Hey, I'm preaching some of your minds, eh? Hey. And now I must still look for something to iron. Hey, no, I'm not going to church today. I can't find nothing to iron. I don't have anything. Laziness. So most of us have become lazy when it comes to the things of God. And because of that, you would find out that it's a possibility that as you always are lazy, not doing anything. Some of us, Charlie, are lazy when it comes to the things in our house. If there's one thing I love about my wife, my wife makes people work hard at home. Well, they can have the, they can, they can be lazy, but she'll get that laziness out of you by giving you work. And the reward for getting the laziness out of you is more work. Bishop Dag says the reward for hard work is more hard work. <laughs> so she'll make you do it. And she can still see it. you're doing it in a lazy way. She'll give you more work to do. And if you're still doing that work in a lazy way, she'll give you more work to do. 
until you get that laziness out of you when you work, you're smiling and you're working. When the children think they're relaxing, she called them, now it's time to work. They can be sleeping, it's time to work. Ah, they know. Oh, more worse when they're grounded or something. The workload is even high. Even now they're grounded. The workload is on an intense level. My heart even gets sore. I even say, but come on, come on, come on. She, what she's doing, she's making him understand the reward for work is more work. And that's my mindset as well. Is that people say, hey, Pastor Alice, you're doing work. I said, ah, me doing work. In, in, we, we preach and we do not. It's not even work. I believe there's still more for us to do. What we're doing is small. So most of us are lazy. Some of the girls in this place can't even wash dishes. They you complain about your nails. You complain about all these other things. You got a spirit of laziness. It's like laziness has settled its heart on you. You can't do nothing. You can't mop. Even when you mop, the floor is still dirty. Aish. It means that you are lazy. You don't, you don't mop with energy and life. You take it soft. You don't even know how to squeeze the mop properly. Hey, you know talking about squeezing the mop. You don't even know how to squeeze the mop properly. You have to put strength, put strength. Too lazy. Ah, you're lazy when it comes to that. In the things of God, you'll even be more lazy. You must learn to work. For some of us, for some of us that say we want God to use us, man, I tell you, God using us is work. Some of you won't make it because you are lazy. I'm, I'm telling you. Some of you won't make it because you are lazy. Even the amount of work that we currently doing in church, the only thing that stops us from doing more is resources. I didn't let we be doing. If the resources were plenty, we would be doing more and more and more and more work. But because the resources are limited, that's why we do small day, small day, small day. Let the resources come. We'll be doing work like you'll never imagine work. But some of you, even, even the, the five openers, it's like too much for you, lazy. I'm serious. It's like five openers. Hey, I think I'll make it one or two. Can't do five. And line five openings is small. If we had more manpower, we'll do ten openings a day. I'm telling you. That's how we'll do more. Because even after the fifth one, I feel like I still got more energy to do more. And we walk. We walk to all the openings. We walk to all the openings. We walk to the openings. Ah, if you're lazy, you think God's going to use you. And this is the thing, this is the message. This thing here yeah, will cause many people to backslide. Laziness. And then this, this the silliness of excuses. Excuse for this. I can't come. This, this, I can't come. The doctor. I can't. One time Bishop Dag says, he says, never make pregnancy. you pregnant. Never make pregnancy. Keep you away from God. He said at seven, the baby was seven days, his child. He was invited to go and preach somewhere. He took the baby in the bus, seven days old. And he went to go and preach. He says, nothing happened to the child. The child never died. 
So most of the excuses that we make is because we don't want to do it. That's why we make the excuse. But if Jesus was saying to you, do it now, would you make that excuse to him? Most of us wouldn't make the excuse. Why? Because it's Jesus. But you don't understand when you treat the work of God as nothing, you are treating Jesus as nothing. Because he is his work. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying today. So this laziness and this excuses will be the biggest downfall of your backsliding. Remember the Bible says that in the book of Matthew, where the Bible says he prepared a dinner, I think Matthew 14, he prepared a dinner for everybody to come and eat. And those that he invited for the supper, they made excuses, even though the excuse seemed valid. You must understand that the excuse was very valid. This oh, got married, he got buckled. And Jesus says, come. He says, hey, I just got buckled. Let me go and sort my wife out on the honeymoon. And then I'll come. It's a good, valid excuse. You got married, you need to take care of your family. The other one gave an excuse. My father just died. A valid excuse. How can I leave my father and come? But Jesus called him to come. I don't want to say I got business. Let me take care of my business and then I'll come. Valid excuses. Jesus said, the scripture says, none of those that were invited will get to eat of the supper. None of those that were invited and made the excuse will get to eat of the supper. Think properly, check lacquer of the excuses that you make when it comes to the things of God. You might not be able to eat of the supper. You'll smell it, you'll taste it. Everybody will be eating, but you will not eat. Imagine that. Remember the lepers, when the prophet prophesied, he says that in Kings, he said that a shekel of gold will be, a silver will be sold, bread will be sold for this amount, and a shekel of gold will be sold for this. And one of the, the king's people started to laugh. And he said, you will see it, but you will not eat of it. Because it seemed like it was impossible for that to happen. But he said, you will see it, but you will not eat. So when the lepers in Kings, when the lepers went and they were kicked out of the city because they had to be a fall, they saw the, the Syrian army, they were camping. Remember that scripture? They saw the Syrian army and they were camping. The Bible says that the Lord said, the Bible says, sorry, the Bible says that the Lord made their footsteps like a mighty army. So as they were walking, it seemed like chariots were there. So they get to the spoils, so the army left everything that was there, their gold, their silver, the money, everything they left. All was only the three people were walking, three lepers were walking. But the Lord made it like an army. They never even see this, the three lepers, but it sounded like an army, Maurice. And they abandoned everything and they ran away. They left their gold and their silver. There was, a, there, was, there was famine in the land for like three years. So when the prophet prophesied that tomorrow, this time, gold will be sold and bread will be this amount, it seemed like impossible. That's why the guy laughed. So he says, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. So there they were about to eat the meat and eat because they were lepers, they were hungry. They said, ah, if we eat this thing here, we will die because we've been stingy. Let's go and tell them what we received. So they went to the king and they told him all the spoils that they had. Man, I tell you, there was a stampede for, every, for the spoils. The person that said, it will never be, it will never happen who made the excuse, ah, as for this thing, yeah, it can't be. He saw the spoils. He saw them eating. He saw the price change. He saw how much bread was being sold, Brother Emmanuel. 
but he died before he could be a partaker of it. Because of the excuses, I'm telling you something, make no excuse. We always say that somebody that is an Akazo person, he doesn't make an excuse. No excuse will pull him away. If I'm preaching to you, you tell me you don't have shoes, it's fine, I'll get you shoes. You tell me you got nothing to wear, it's fine, I'll get you something to wear. You tell me you don't have auto auto in your house, it's fine, I'll get auto auto from my house so you can come bath in my house. What you are doing, you avoiding the person from making excuses that will prevent him from coming. Oh no, I need bastard, don't worry, I'll organize your Uber. What you doing, you making sure that you know that there's something good in the kingdom of God. You know that God has something powerful planned for us. So all we have to do in order to partake of it is not to make excuses. But most of you would backslide because of the silly excuses that you make. Sometimes your head is not sore, but your head is sore. I can't come to church today. I'm not feeling well. You put sickness on yourself by the excuses that you've made. And you would backslide, I'm telling you. So if you are somebody that makes excuses from today, tell yourself, I will not make no more excuses. I will make sure if my excuse, it must be extremely valid for me not to come. Or I must just be honest and say, I don't want to come. Then we can really check if you backslidden. Because nobody can just say, I don't want to come. I wish I can make, I can't make excuses. I can't make I'll be honest with you straight. I'll tell you, if, I, if like last Sunday, I said, hey, I never get, when was it the Sunday of the play day? I said, I never get to spend time with my family from the whole of Christmas, all of the holidays. I would like to just take them out to the, to the Easter thing over there they were having at the Urban Christian Center. I wasn't lying. I took them. They went to go see the stars and the Christmas and Mickey Mouse and all of them, brother Dennis and sister Carmen was there. I can't, we, we said, no, let's not have service. Also because I didn't know they were having it on the Monday. I found that they're having it on the Monday. If I knew they were having it on the Monday, I wouldn't have canceled church. My heart was sore. Hmm, yeah. Because you see now. You see. Candace, wasn't it nice? It was good. So that's the only excuse even today, I was saying, I saw on the news, weather is going to be 100%. I'm like, hey, I don't want people to walk to church in the stick weather, rain, like, you know. Hey, maybe we should cancel church. I even said to Maurice, hey, I'm thinking. But my spirit is, that's an excuse for myself, and I'm making excuses for people. I'm making an excuse for you. You never made the excuse yet, but I made the excuse for you. What, 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 what does that show? It shows that if you make excuses in this way, you're liberal. And hey, man, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I got so much more to say to you. The, the excuses is going to prevent you from coming to God. Even your excuse to stop doing what you're doing is an indication that you're going to backslide. Paul say, hey, I want to stop at a con. Hey, no, man, stop. Don't make the excuse that you, you're trying to stop, but you can't. It's either you stop or you don't. But your excuse, is, your, your excuse makes you feel it's acceptable. Because in your mind, you think it's valid. In your mind, you, you value, you evaluate your relationship with God, with others. You know, hey, they're drinking. Hey, at least mine is not so bad. 
So then what you're saying, oh, my excuse is valid. So what will happen to you? You can also backslide and move far away from God because your excuses have become something that you are now used to making. I remember when I was in school, always late. Why are you late? The teachers didn't know. They know the train. Staying right here in Wentworth. The train. The train. The train. The train. No, miss the train. But don't you stay in Wentworth? I say, no, miss. I stay in Newlands East. I have to take the train from Newlands. My father stays in Wentworth. My mother stays in Newlands. Why can't you stay with your father? My mother and father are fighting, so I can't. Excuse. Every time that you, what happened? The train was late. The train was late. And I get one of my black friends in school. I was a train ticket to show them. The train was late. The train was late. It became something that I became comfortable with. Became, until somebody ratted me out. No, Pastor, he stays in Woodstock. They're in the stocks. No, no, Miss, he stays in the stocks. It's 10 minute, 15 minute walk. And then I couldn't lie. But what happened? I became used of that excuse. What excuse are you making for God? <clears throat> what excuse are you making for God that has become used to and has become your lifestyle? Is it your stomach? Is it your head? Is it your nails? Is it your clothes? Is it your chest? Is it transport? What excuse are you making? Stop it now! Because if you're not careful, you would backslide. I kid you not. You will backslide. One of the things live Bishop Dag done, there was a lady that always made an excuse. I can't come to church because we stay too far from the church. You know what he did? He took the train that she's supposed to take from the church to her house. And he says, I came to your house to show you that the transport excuse that you're using not to come to church is not an excuse. You can come to church. So don't make it an excuse. And most people, even in our church, are not coming to church. You know why? No transport. Let the transport come back. They'll come back. It means that they, they are backslidden, even sitting at home right now. You know why? Because there's no transport. Ah, who's, come on, man. What, what, how do you value your relationship with God? So you'll only go to a church that can get you from where you're in Wentworth. The church is in Wentworth, but you're complaining there's no transport. Ah, in Wentworth. Your church is in Wentworth. You in Wentworth. But you're saying you can't come to church because there's no transport. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. That's the case. We cancel church right through. Because we got no transport, but we come. We call, brother. We make a plan. We make it happen. If not, there's Ubers. 20 Rand. Lyle does Ubers. 20 Rand. I don't know if it's 25 right now, but 20 rand, easy. Make a plan. If not, ND10s. What, what you call it, ND10s? Strap it up, my brother. Even walk with a bounce. Hold your Bible in your hand. Yes. What kind of say? I'm buying a church. Lucker. Hey, I'll check your eye. Hundreds say. And move. Walk to church. Don't make an excuse. Don't make an excuse. We could have shut down our openings on Saturday a long time. It was raining. We said we are not doing this in the rain. Holding the microphone in the hand and, and we preach in the rain. Wet, soaking wet. We could have taken those things and closed it. And said, hey, let's not, let's not do this thing. 
But your excuses, I'm telling you now, you don't see it. But eventually it's going to keep you from coming to God. You don't see it now. You don't see the effects now. But keep on making those. You know, as for, as for me, your pastor, I don't like excuses. So even when you tell me, I give you, I give you a little while. But if I check those excuses are the same, I'm like, hey, you missed in, 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 you missed in. I something is up. You're probably backslidden. I'm telling you. If I see, I see, hey, not here, not here, not here, not here, not here. Let me send them a text. Why? What happened? It means that you backslidden somehow. Because even if you, when you're not coming, you don't even say, I'm not coming. It's just serious, right? Let me see my time. I've got eight more minutes left. Are you all enjoying my sermon today? All right. So, you can ask anybody, anybody, anybody. You know, even for us, being where we are as a church, if we were lazy as a church, we wouldn't have been here. And most of you, you know, success, success is in your hands. You have the ability to become successful, but your laziness will prevent you. Even most of you girls, young people that are in school, have the ability to do well in school, but your laziness when it comes to your schoolwork will cause you to be not to do well. Not that you're stupid. It's not that you don't know. It's just that you are lazy. You can watch TV from morning to evening, but when it comes to your work, you're lazy. Even the Bible, we call the Bible, it's not a lazy man's book. Because even when you read the Bible, you have to really get into the Bible to read it. And most of us, we can't read the Bible because we're lazy. When we see these the black print and white pages, uh, that's what you do. Yes. That's what happens. Uh. Why? It's 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 because it's a lazy thing. It's a lazy thing. And your laziness will prevent you from coming to God. It's a possibility. Backsliding is there. And you must you must check this out, right? Check it nicely. You must ask yourself and you must examine yourself on a daily basis. I'm about to finish. I've got five minutes left, I'm sure. You must ask yourself on a daily basis, do I value my relationship with God? Do I? Do I value my relationship with God enough to return back to Him or to continue in my ways? I saw a video today, AD, yo, this young girl, forgot who I saw it on, on whose Facebook, but this young girl was crying. She says, tell, not the unbelievers, tell the church. Tell my people to wake up. I'm coming, my time is, my time is near, my time is. She's crying, a young girl. Stop playing around and get serious with God. If you're not serious with God, get serious with God now. You see, because most of us think God is a fairy tale. There's a song they see, maybe you know it, Caroline. God is real. Yes, I know he's real. You know that song? How it goes? I know the Lord is real. Yeah. Mm. Something, something, right? Most, 
majority of the people here, okay, let me not say majority, maybe at least 10% don't understand the realness of God. You know why? They can't see him physically. But it doesn't mean that he's not real. There was a scientist and uh, an, uh, an apologist scientist and a Muslim guy asked him about, no, not a Muslim guy, it was an atheist that asked him, how can you worship a God that you can't see with reason and time and what? So he comes in to say, to say that I'm worshiping a God based on my feelings or my emotions, is you are not talking about the same God that I believe in. Because there's something between space, matter, and time. I don't know if you saw that video. And he says, my God exists outside of time. That makes him God. If he existed inside of time, he wouldn't be God. Because it means that he is controlled by space, matter, and time. But because he's outside of space, matter, and time, he was the one that spoke it into existence. So to say the God that I serve is based on my feelings, then you got the wrong God. And then he goes on to say that if you, if you think I trust you, you say, oh yes, he says something about feelings, emotions and logic and stuff. He says, can you trust your feelings? Can you trust your emotions? Can you trust your logic? And most of us, we can't trust our emotions. One day you in love. The next day you hate, you want to kill someone. One day is the best thing since last spring. The other day you can't even stand his face. You want to vomit in his face. So can you trust your emotions and your feelings? Yeah? They're not reliable. One day she's everything you ever wanted and then you saw another girl that looks better than her, prettier than her, treats you better than her. Can you trust your feelings and your emotions? You can't. But we trust in a God that is outside of that. Because I know some people, we, we like this boy today. Hey, we saw another boy. Hey, we like him too. Now, I don't know who I like. You can't trust your feelings or your emotions. So when you feel like you don't want to come to church, can you trust that? Mm -hmm. When you feel like you don't want to worship, can you trust that? When you feel like you, you don't want to give God your praise or you okay with backsliding, can you trust that? As you rely on your feelings and your emotions, when you're in hell, you would feel what your emotions and your feelings did for you. What they did for you. Oh, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. And one of the reasons, I'm talking about backsliding. All these things that I'm talking about will prevent you from backsliding, but check this now. Check this. I'm talking to young people now for minutes, and everybody can take this word. Your life, you think you got a long time to live, right? You think you got until maybe you're 30 or 50 or 60, or maybe even 80, you think you got a long time to live. Unfortunately, your life is not in your hands. You don't have the power to determine how long you're going to live. You don't have the power to determine what age you're going to live to, at what age you're going to live until. Your life is in God's hands. Failure to acknowledge Him in your life, failure to serve Him, and you die without 
believing and out receiving without accepting Christ as your savior it could be tomorrow that you close your eyes it could be next week that you close your eyes it could be a couple of hours from now that you close your eyes I want to tell you now the reality of heaven and hell is so real that if you die without knowing Jesus Christ you go to hell and I'm not scared to tell you that you'll go to hell so you got to be careful. I was, where was I? We were just somewhere. I think yesterday, we were by the garage and nearby Al Noor shop. At least shots we just heard. Pa, 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 pa. Broad daylight. Guys walked into Al Noor shop and started shooting a guy. That guy did not know that that day he will get shots. He did not know that that was the last day that he would be alive. There's people that get raped and the people kill them. They did not know that that day would be. Nobody knew, knows the day tomorrow will be your last day. Nobody. You don't have that planned in your diary. You don't have that planned in your life. But what if tomorrow is your last day? And the way you're playing around with God now and the way you're messing around with your faith and the way you're not serving God, tomorrow could be your loss. And I'm not saying this to make you scared. I'm saying this to make you conscious of tomorrow could be your loss. Where will you spend your eternity even though you are in the house of God? Even though you're in the house of God. Even though you're a church girl. Even though you're a church boy. Have you backslidden and are you far from God? Where will you spend your eternity? You know the sad thing, Caroline? Is that when we get to stand before God, God, I used to sing. God says, I'm not worried about that. God, I used to dance. I'm not worried about that. God, I went to church. I'm not worried about that. God is concerned about a relationship. He says, he'll say, I never knew you depart from me. Because it's a possibility to like somebody you don't know. To sing praises of somebody you don't know. It's a possibility. Most of us don't know most of the celebrities. We don't know them. But we sing their praises. That person doesn't know you, don't know where you stay, don't know where you grew up, don't know nothing about you, but you sing their praises. And Drake is my, oh, hey, once that number comes, hey, Drake, yes. You sing, hey, Drake is better than Eminem, this way, that way. You sing his praises loud, but he doesn't know you. Your relationship with God is the same. You sing his praises loud, you dance and you sing, but God doesn't know you. And you don't know him. How dreadful it will be for you on judgment day. When you stand before him and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Lord, but my father was a pastor. That doesn't mean nothing to me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Think, think about this. Think about this reality. you got to serve God. But my mother was a prayer warrior. I don't care. I know your mother, but I don't know you. My husband would pray. I know your husband, but I don't know you. My wife, I know them, but I don't know you. 
when you stand before God on judgment day and he brings out your life and he brings out who you slept with last night and he brings out what you did last week and he brings out you will be found guilty as guilty can be your case will be closed hell would be your destiny case closed angels will come and escort you to burning flames no give me another chance Give me another moment to make things right. And the books will be closed in your life and in front of your face. And you will be banished to hell. And there's no return, no making right, no saint, no pastor, no person that is alive will be able to pray you out of hell. And you play around with the things of God. You play around with God like he's some figment of our imagination. Like he's a fairy tale, little red riding wood, whatever the lady's name is. We treat him as though he's one of those people. And yet he's more real. More serious. You must take him serious. But we don't take him serious. We play around with him as though he is a toy. We play around with him as though he's always going to be here. Yes, he'll always be here, but will you always be here, man? Are you immortal? Can you live forever on this earth? You will die one day and you'll face God on judgment day. And I pray for you that you will not be found guilty. I pray that you will be found innocent. I pray that God will open the heavens and say, welcome my son and welcome my daughter. I pray he'll open it for you. But God will get your life right. Backsliding. One of the reasons I, I like to say backsliding, don't backslide. So you can avoid hell. Avoid hell. 